Well, good morning. It's nice to be here. And I mean that because last time I wasn't here, right? <laughs> so what happened, in case you didn't know, um, Luke, Pastor Luke wasn't feeling well at the last minute on July 1st. I guess that was the day before July 1st. Said, Sean, can you take it tomorrow? Just be on standby, get ready. Yeah, okay, let's do that. And then the morning of, he said, yeah, you're on. I said, okay. That was about 6 o'clock in the morning. By 7 o'clock, I was throwing up. So <laughs> just one of those things. And uh, thank you so much, Pastor Ken, for filling in there and, and church for being flexible with that. Uh, why don't we take uh, a moment, another moment to, uh, to lift this time up in prayer and just invite Jesus to be completely present here in our hearts and minds. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for the excitement that's been expressed here already and the fun that we've had. I pray for your blessing on this time. Thank you for drawing each one of us here this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, I went to Bible College in Saskatchewan at Briarcrest Bible College. And uh, I can remember that on the, one of the first years that I was there, either first or second, it was within the first few hours of being on campus that our whole dorm, so the whole 36 guys or so that was on my hall in my dorm, got the call to get into a car and to go with the other guys to the destination that was selected. So being pretty new to the area, new to the campus, um, about 30 of us did exactly what we were told. We piled into six or eight cars, getting into vehicles that we don't really know the other guys very well. It was early September, and I was somewhat surprised when we got there to see huge blocks of ice, and we were at a park didn't really make sense because I'd never done this before. They'd forewarned us to wear clothing that is okay to get dirty and maybe even ruined and to bring a towel. Does anybody have an inkling of what I'm talking about yet? It involved a grassy hill and a whole lot of fun. It's called ice blocking. I've never done this before, before that time. It's a type of ice that's about, uh, it's about one foot by maybe six or eight inches wide and about four inches deep. Dairies use them to transport goods. Uh, they sell them to people who want to do this sort of thing as well. And so what you do is on a hot, summery day, just like today, is you find the best grassy hill, the tallest hill, and the warmer it is, the better, because you fold up your towel, you put it on the ice block, and you slide down that hill. There was guys linking arms six or eight wide and at least two or three deep, smiling, laughing, just like children, going down the hill in trains. It was so much fun getting the scrapes and the bruises and, and, and exhausted from what we were doing. The laughter that came out of that and the stories that were told afterwards was hilarious. It was a bonding moment. It was a time that we'll never forget. And here I am a couple of decades later still talking about it. Because that was fun. 
Now, was it good, clean, Christian fun? I don't know if something like that actually exists. To be Christian is to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, which I believe each one of those guys did. But it wasn't Christian fun. It was Christians having fun. It was a time where we got together for a purpose, and the purpose was just to to be together, create stories, memories, and live life in a fun manner. We were a group of Christians that were having a lot of fun. You know, it's sad that in this day and age, there are people out there that would never put it in the same sentence, Christian and fun. It's just not the stereotype that's out there, is it? Christian and there's a whole lot of other things that they might think of us if we're, if we're Christian and different. But so often the word fun it's not put in that same sentence. Maybe we are different from society. Maybe we don't party hardy the way that some people do. Maybe we don't drink until we can't think, and maybe we don't trip until we flip. But this doesn't mean that Christians don't have fun, does it? We have our own bend. We have these things that we love to do. But we do it with Christ at the center. I can't tell you how many conversations that I've had with people that I haven't seen for a long time. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And that conversation when we finally get together again is, hey, do you remember the time that we... And then we go into a story of where we had so much fun. It's that bonding agent in our relationship in so many occasions. Because fun is partly what Christians do. If you were to do a word study like I did throughout the entire Bible using software, of course. Looking for the word fun in the multiple different variations, versions of the Bible. It doesn't say, Christians, thou shalt have fun. But there are occasions in the Bible where it talks about there's a time for that. There's a time for everything. And we're going to dive into that in just a few minutes. First, would you turn with me to Colossians 3, verse 16. Because I believe that the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians might help us understand just a little bit better this subject matter. In chapter 3 of Colossians, Paul is addressing the individual believer on the issues of appropriate Christian living. And our key verses are verses 16 and 17 of Colossians 3. So you'll see behind me on this slide it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish, which means to advise one another, with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. To me, this sounds like a service, like we're in right now, a church service, where we're getting together, we're going through these verses, we're talking about them, we're learning about them, we're singing songs, we're having fun doing that. Paul's teaching the body of believers about the attitude of love and respect that's so necessary when we get together, a love for God and a love for each other. There's a time for that. That time is now that needs to be passed on to our next generation. That's why we have the children in here for as long as we do before going off to junior church and the toddler room so that they get a sense of this is, this is worshiping God in song. This is worshiping God together. This is the body of Christ all come together at Chapel Ridge. 
Paul's teaching this body of believers about the attitude of love and respect that's required in the house of the Lord. It's an authentic love for God that needs to be present, as does a sincere love for one another. The impact of his love being lived out amongst the body of believers, it can't be overstated. It is so absolutely necessary. And it's in our genes. It's in our DNA when we have Christ at the heart of our life. Okay, so that sounds great for Sunday mornings, for small groups, for special church events. But what about the other occasions, the daily life that we have to live? So verse 17, I believe, addresses that. Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or whether in deed, whatever you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As we were going down those hills, we weren't saying, thank you, Jesus, but we were together saying, this is an amazing time where we're safe. We're going to be, um, uh, we're going to help each other out. We're going to remember these times, and this is just the start of it. It started off with a fun time, that's that school year. And relationships built, and, and even more fun was had, but it was an opener. It was an icebreaker, no pun intended, but taken. It was an icebreaker to getting to know people that we'd never met before. So in other words, in verse 17... Whatever you do, let the gratitude in your heart for what God has done in your life be ever-present. Whether you are running, whether you are gardening, ice skating, skateboarding. Don't you love that picture? Retirement. Ken, is that you? Got to grow it out. <laughs> or reading. So each one of us has these different things that we think are fun. Maybe you don't like skateboarding. Maybe you don't like reading. There's something in this world that you just love to do, you're passionate about. And it fills up that, that bucket with joy, doesn't it? Whatever it is that you love to do, do it, in all, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, Colossians says. Paul says. When what you do is done in the name of the Lord Jesus, the element of guilt is eliminated. There's a part in us, perhaps, that might lean towards guilt when we're not completely doing what the world is doing or, on the swing of it, what we should be doing for God. Do you know what I mean? Where you feel like you have this strong sense that people who don't know Christ are going to hell, which is a fact. And you feel so bad about that and you dedicate your life to it. And there are people, perhaps even in this congregation, that they're out doing something that they really love doing and then they get that guilt feeling of, should I really be doing this? Should I not be trying to save souls? I believe that in our congregation, in our relationships with non-Christians, that there's an absolute appropriate time to have a whole lot of fun, guilt-free, with God and for, for God. Amen. Amen. That we can live as a Christian having fun and that draws people to Christ. Amen. Now we have to understand that what we consider to be fun may not bully, be fully appreciated by everyone else. 
uh, in the next slide. You spend how much time playing basketball? Or the next slide. You actually are happy if you don't catch a single fish all day? Like some people just might not understand that. <laughs> but you're dedicated to that, aren't you? Because I love being out there in the boat or on the shore. I love being on the court or on the pitch. I can just do it all day long. And if I'm interacting with non-Christians, and if I'm being an example for Christ in that situation, in that setting, if God has put that passion in my heart to be there and with them, there's no guilt associated with that. As long as you're doing it appropriately and with Christ and with the permission of your wife <laughs> or husband. God has created you as a unique individual. Each one of us has our own bend. We're all weird in our own little ways and the things that we do. I honestly believe that that which brings you the most joy is a gift from God. And we'll see later how that's in scripture as well. So some of you like to hike from sunup till sundown. Others would rather practice ballet, hip-hop, or freestyle dance. For some, three hours of baking goes by too fast. Four hours on the bike is only the first leg of the day. And after five hours of shopping, it's almost like the credit card is just warming up. <laughs> Perhaps you... <laughs> move on, Sean. Perhaps you love to sing in a choir. Perhaps you love to play in a band. Or maybe you're a shutterbug. Or you're an artist. Whether it's the functions on your phone that tickle your fancy, or the buttons on your controllers as you're playing the games, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. But be careful that your hobbies, that your recreational activities don't become a problem. And they do sometimes, don't they? When your passion becomes your issue, when your video game becomes your life, when you're texting more than you're talking face to face, when your habit takes over your home life, when your good idea can no longer be controlled, that's when the positive characteristics of fun turn into the negative influences for everyone involved. I believe that you're having fun <coughs> excuse me, that you're having fun, the things that you're passionate about, that you love to do, has the potential to impact at least three people. The first one is you. The next one is someone else, someone around you. I'll say others. And the third is God. So your fun has the potential to impact three or more people. And you'll see it on this next chart that we have. Now, I'm using the example of golf, and I have warned, forewarned some of my golfing friends here. Uh, this is not directed to anyone in particular. But let's say golf. There is appropriate and not so much. When it's appropriate, you'll see on the next slide how it affects you. It's exercise, it's outdoors, you're getting good air, good exercise, you're doing a good job. On the not-so-much part of it, it can become your life. 
I can't wait to be out there. I can't wait to spend more money on the new club that will actually go straight, send that ball straight. It just, it becomes that passion that is overwhelming, perhaps. When it comes to others, on the next slide, you can play with friends. You can have that positive interaction with other people. Not saying that you have to pray before swinging that club every time. That would be kind of weird, probably, for a non-Christian to observe, to be beside. Where it becomes not so much is when no one wants to play with you. Because you're so dedicated to the game, and it's your game, and you have to get that ball exactly where it wants to be. Now, this is golf. There's other, other hobbies that we're into. But when it becomes your life, and in a negative way, takes you in the wrong direction when having fun, then, then are you really walking with Jesus when you're doing that? It's a tough question. Let's talk about God. The appropriate having fun, you can walk out on an early morning, there's a mist rising up on the green, and you're just saying, God, thank you that I love this game. I'm not always good at it, but I love this game. It gives me, it doesn't give me life, but I feel alive when I play it. I just love to be here. It's worth a bit of sacrifice. Not relationship-wise, though. And God, thank you for making me this way. That's a great thing. Go ahead, have fun. Tee off. But what about the next one? Not so much. It's when the, when the capital G is taken from God. God why I use golf, okay? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Where it becomes a God to you. That's when guilt can be associated with fun. I don't want it to be, but that's when it can be. It says in Ecclesiastes, oh, sorry, we're not going there. To prevent your hobbies and habits from becoming your biggest issue, you need to have and to keep an, an, an eternal perspective. The recreational activities that bring you, thank you, that temporary happiness can't compare to the unending joy that we're going to experience in the afterlife with our King of Kings. So don't be misled. Ten hours of gaming a day isn't really your taste of heaven this time on earth. Twenty hours locked in your wonderful world of art each doesn't do much for anyone except for yourself. And 80 hours of work per week probably won't bring you closer to God. Unless it kills you, and then certainly will. <laughs> Your days on earth are numbered, so enjoy these days that we've been given. Remember that the impact that you have is on yourself, and it's on others, and it's in your relationship with God. Now it says in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1 says, there's a time for everything. And there's a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot. A time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Worshiping, that's fun. 
Uh, there's, there's um, in the Psalms where it talks about David being undignified and just being out there and loving God so much and dancing, worshiping him out in the field. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. It's his plan. He has also set eternity in the human heart. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I believe that the passion that God has put in your heart for golf, for skateboarding, for knitting, for whatever it is, is a gift from God. Take some time, go ahead and do that on your own. And then invite somebody to do that with you. Maybe a non-Christian that you can have an impact in their life in that moment. So bring your attention back to the church setting. Yes, there's a time for no-nonsense, undivided attention to Bible study, to sermons, to worshiping God in, worship, in, uh, in music. But there's also a time for fun, both inside and outside of the body of Christ. When the men got together a few weeks ago up at the, at, at the cottage, at the McPhee Cottage, that was fun. The draw was the fun that we were going to have and the time that we were going to have together doing it, wasn't it, men? That's exactly what happened that day. And ladies, you're great at doing that as well. Getting together, having a chat session, uh, being open, having some tea and crumpet. <laughs> I don't know what you do for fun, ladies. I've heard some of the stories, but you get together with that purpose, don't you? Christmas tea. Christmas tea. When we are following God, and we're doing that in and through our passions in life, our extracurricular, there can be great blessings to the kingdom of God. I fully believe that. Because fun breaks down barriers. Fun provides shared experiences that are remembered. And fun creates a healthy environment for learning, sharing, and growth. At what age do we tell children, no more fun? That was childish, now you're an adult. I hope that never comes. Because we're created to have fun, that joy of the Lord being lived out in our hearts. We need to find the balance between becoming uh, so heavenly. Now, this could be a little bit controversial, okay? So some might say there are people who are so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. might sound a little controversial, but the heart of it is um, if you can't connect to people that don't have God, how do you win them? How are you involved in God winning their hearts and minds? And the other side of it is that you're so earthly-minded that we're no heavenly good. That church and relationship with God is for Sundays and small group time, and the rest of the week is for me. There's got to be a balance that's coming up on the next slide. And then on the next slide again, just for illustration purposes, that's where it is that you have this healthy respect for your relationship with God and a healthy respect for the fun that he's put in your heart. And that is advancing the kingdom through relationships. 
Let each one of us be a living example of the joy that the Lord brings. So I'm going to conclude with the idea of what does this summer hold? You have plans. Most of them will work out exactly as you've figured out. You've set that time aside. You've prepared the vehicle for traveling that distance. And it will work. Some crazy things might happen as well. What are you going to do to make some fun for those moments? This summer, I look forward to putting our canoe in the water, to doing some fishing, to going for a hike, maybe a campfire or two. I love doing that stuff. A good idea for me would be to do that with my kids and family, or maybe some non-Christian friends as well. I also look forward to spending time at the beach, doing a puzzle, watching cartoons, playing video games, dressing up in crazy costumes, and shopping for deals. Now, you might be going, what are you talking about? Those are some of the things that my family members love to do. So I'm going to try love doing them with my family members because they love to do them. Some of your non-Christian friends have great ideas on what you should do next weekend. And you're thinking, I don't really like to do that. I want to challenge you to be in their world a little bit. When you're having fun on their turf, that can open up doors to connect with them for Christ. Can you do that this summer? In the next little while, the next few weeks, summer's short. Make every moment of it. Can we do that with God? Amen. Father, I thank you for the way that you have spoken to us. That we can have guilt-free moments of so much fun. And yet, at the very heart of what we're doing, each moment of the day, in whatever we're doing, whether in word or deed, we need to be able to do it with Jesus. And I pray that there would be fruit that, was, that is and will come out of this. That even this afternoon, Father, as people are perhaps gathering to watch the big World Cup soccer game, the FIFA World Cup, that you would open up conversations and allow Christ to reign in that room. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.